Welcome back to The Stars Made Me Do It. You've got all three of us here today. We are doing Archetypes Part 2. So if you haven't listened to Part 1 yet, go back and listen to it. Um, Before we get to that, just a quick plug of all of our socials. We all run our own businesses, our own little uh, divine instagrams essentially so sierra runs a magical book club you can find it at magical.bookclub you can follow martha at divine alignment with martha and you can follow me at mimis.me for tarot and astrology and at harveymountain.alchemy for crystal candles um basically we're doing these archetype episodes because a lot has changed since the podcast first started and we want to go back to basics and uh give you guys the information from a beginner standpoint but i think it's also really good information for somebody who's well versed in astrology too to bring it back to the core of each sign um if you're interested in more astrology content we also upload exclusive episodes every week every wednesday on our patreon and you can subscribe to us there at patreon.com slash the stars made me do it and there are four tiers so you can choose the one that works best with what you need so let's get into it how you guys doing i love the whole idea of back to basics where if you know someone you're just joining us now welcome what's up and if you've been here for a while and are listening I just love the idea of going back to basics I just kind of connected it with like my journey of learning French where I can speak French now but man how freaking helpful would it be if I could go back and take like an a1 level grammar class again now that I like know how to speak French if I could relearn the rules a little bit having an understanding of what it is I think that would be so helpful and that's what I'm feeling like what these back to basics are it's just as helpful for somebody who is well knowledgeable you know in astrology as it is for someone who's like a basic beginner and that's what's the really that's another one of the many cool things about astrology and why I love it how we can get so much new information I loved doing this part because it gave us such a cool, you know, insightful way to look at all the different archetypes, removing that bias of like, oh, I know this Virgo. So Virgos are blank. It's like, let's just not think Mm -hmm. about the person. Let's look at, you know, the sign itself and the archetypes. Yeah, I found the first episode actually such a test for me. Like listening back, I noticed that I didn't talk a lot in the first few ones because I had to really reframe my brain and be like, no, we're not talking about this person's expression of it. We're really talking about the archetype. Get your head in the game, Martha. So (laughs) I'm excited for this one. My head's in the game. And I love the way that we just have discussions about it. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I sort of see each zodiac sign as like this flow chart. And so you've got the zodiac sign right in the middle and then branching off of it, you have these archetypes that give you extra layers like the deeper that you go into each archetype the more you really understand why a sign is acting the way that they do and my like view on astrology is always getting to the core motivation behind somebody or behind a natal chart to see what motivates them what drives them what's the best expression of their natal energy uh for them in their human life so yeah like sierra said let's not equate a zodiac sign to that one person you know because each and every sign is in us. We envelop all of all of the 12 zodiac signs in our energy. Yeah. If you're if you're a you know, well-versed astrologer here hanging out with us or just, you know, really knowledgeable, you know that if you look at your circle chart, there's all the signs, all 12 signs are in each of our birth charts. And if you're new, then that's something that's really exciting to learn and very bizarre. And like, you'll get there eventually, but it's exciting to learn that when you 
get into your chart, you actually realize that every single sign is in your chart. You just might not have a planet there, but it still has a place. It's almost like if you have a, uh, a room in your house, like you have an extra guest room and you don't have a lot of furniture in there, but like you still have a guest room, you know, there's still like light that comes in. Like, does it get sunrise? Does it get sunset? There's still a room there. And so like everybody has those signs in your chart. And so it's just, I think it's really fun for all of us to reflect too on what, um, like what energies we can relate to for all these different archetypes mm-hmm. of all these signs. Yeah. Well, should we get yeah. right into it? Yeah. Well, I have one, wait, I have one more comment on that. I think that I know for myself and I feel like for a lot of people that I've talked to about their natal charts and their astrology is you can't take ownership of a sign. You don't own a sign. Those mm-hmm. constellations in the sky are for all of us. They are shown to all of us. So even though you really resonate with your sun, moon, rising, whatever planets, you don't own that sign. So My I feel like Leo stellium does not agree. <laughs> I know. I'm like, and the Leo is not okay with that statement. <laughs> like, well, but yes, sometimes, yeah, well, sometimes, you know, like ego gets into it and I get it. Like sometimes I think I own whatever Aries, but it's everybody's and everybody shares a different expression of those signs. You know? <laughs> it for sure. I'm joking for anyone who doesn't know me. I'm joking. <laughs> Don't hate the Leo. <laughs> All right. All right. Yes. Let's get into it now. So if you, um, yeah, so this is part two. So if you're interested in Aries through Virgo, the first six signs, go listen to our part one. Yeah. Shall we dive into Libra? Yes. All right. So, um, (laughs) the logo, as Martha said in last episode, or the, (laughs) what, what is it actually called? The symbol. symbol, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The symbol uh, for, yeah, the glyph is the, um, uh, I believe that that's what like, you know, Mm -hmm. when we're writing out what the sign looks like, but the symbol for Libra is the scales and the scales meaning the ones that you would balance, you know, like that type of scales. And so uh, we will get into it in another episode coming at you in the future via you know, when we talk about elements, when we talk about modes, but just to know that Libra is an air sign and Leah is a cardinal sign. So it's the first sign of autumn and it is also ruled by Venus. And so that's just a fun thing to keep in mind that we'll get into further with the planets as well. But Libra being the scales, being that balance, what do you guys, what do you guys think about that? I feel like that's pretty obvious as far as a a symbol goes. Yeah, I think that the symbol being the scales is so appropriate because it's not what's on the scales. The Libra is the fulcrum. The Libra Libra is what weighs what's on the scales, which really just speaks to their ability to stay separate from the situation and to see both sides really equally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the ones it's like, just thinking about like all the mythology that I'm into as well. Like just, you know, you're like, I'll, in, in the Egyptian mythology with the judgment, like your heart versus the feather, you know, there's like that, those aren't weighing the same in physical mass, but there is a weight to them that should be equal. And so Libra being that ability to, I guess, for them, for each, you know, for Libra as a sign, this, am I balancing this, which has a value and this, which has a value and the values as, you know, what they equal being ruled by Venus, having that value element there with that Mm -hmm. balancing of value versus value. 
I kind of like the like life journey of a Libra and the fact that you can switch out what's on the balance in the sense that it's like, okay, this is your work life. And then this is your family life. I'm using the most basic, um, basic examples, but you can, it always is switching out the things that are on the balance that they're trying to balance out. Yeah. And then getting into the actual archetypes for Libra, we have the diplomat, the peacekeeper, the socialite, the lover, and the artist. And that just really, you know, relating that back to the scales and the balance and switching that out, being a socialite and a diplomat both have, you know, this uh, need to keep the peace, you know, that peacekeeper where, you know, being very neutral in a, um, neutral, not, and not in an invisible way, but in a, in neutrality. Yeah. Libra is the one that carries the narrative for those who are maybe a little too invested. Libra is not invested in the story or maybe it is, but it knows how to separate itself and to just share both sides in a way that's unbiased. Um, which is often why you hear that Libra is indecisive because their core motive is to just lay out the information in a way that is honest and fair and true, right? Because they're also like the judge in a way, although I know that the judge is a different archetype for a different zodiac sign, but they're the ones that judge what is fair. Um, And because they're an air sign, naturally, they're so invested in their social life or invested in their relationships and, and making sure that everybody around them is also experiencing some sort of peace or balance. I mean, literally balance is such a key word for Libra. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because it speaks exactly to the duality of Libra. We're often speaking about balance, but it's also a duality too with the I'm so invested in relationships and being a part of uh, this person, but also being uh, really withdrawn from it. I'm thinking because we the comparison to the other air sign Aquarius, where Aquarius is really removed, Libra doesn't normally get that that name in society they're not withdrawn they are like really invested in it and wanting the the results of situations to make everyone happy versus like an Aquarius energy is like I don't really care if you're happy at the end it's we just want it to be good but it's really interesting where Libra needs to think about both sides of that coin Mm, yeah yeah Libra is like a classic middle child Mm. where they are constantly the bridge between the older sibling and the younger sibling. And therefore like their needs often do not get highlighted. Mm. And having, you know, this perspective versus this perspective. And I'm, I'm closer to the age of the older sibling. So I get that, but I'm closer to the age of the younger sibling. So I get that there's just such a genuine, Mm. like with that scale with there's such, you know, like uh, Mimi, you said, um, uh, what's the word? Um, sometimes getting told that they are anti-confrontational or they can't make a decision. Mm. There is such a, a true understanding of both sides and it's not for lack of wanting to make a decision. It's for a, or, or to, you know, choose sides, whatever it is it's because, or to have a confrontation, but they genuinely can see both sides. They are not this side of the scale or this side of the scale. They are the scale and they are, Mm -hmm. they have equal viewing 
of both sides. And so that is what makes them that diplomat, that peacekeeper. And also I feel like the artist, because an artist is both the creator and the one looking at the art. You know, they they have that ability to, um, I mean, they're seeking beauty and they're creating beauty. It's like that both sides of that scale in that way as well. Yeah. That's where I don't fully relate to Libra as the artist. I more think of it as like the esthetician, like the one with an aesthetic, one that mm. makes beauty, that creates beauty. But I, I, me personally, which I think then I'm stepping into more biased territory. Like I personally don't see Libra too much as the artist. Mm. I see, I see Libra as an artist beyond more than just like, uh, you know, what we'd say is a painting artist. I think they, they mm -hmm. are an artist in the way that they can, the way that they present themselves, the way that they can create artwork, but in the way that mm -hmm. they, um, that they set, set a stage. Whereas like we mentioned in part one, Leo is the performer, but Libra is the one that's setting that stage because they are looking at everything from a, I like that from the aesthetic point of view. And mm -hmm. that's also, it's just a different side of what a diplomat would have to do. The diplomat has to look at how do we make everything function as smoothly as possible? And in a way, an artist can function that way as well. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that level of artistic expression, like just being on the aesthetic level of it, sometimes speaks to the possibility of Libra being more surface level rather yes. than going too deep into the situation. It just gets to the surface because it wants things to be balanced. And sometimes Libra can find a, a quick solution because it wants to find a solution. Libra yes. is a problem solver. It wants to make a bridge between two conflicting or opposing feelings or thoughts. And so yes. it is a problem solver, but sometimes if if it just sees what is being said on the surface, it's not getting to the bottom of a root issue. So it's not finding a long-term solution. It's finding more of a surface solution. Yes. I love that. I love that. And that's something that's a great way of separating Libra, the archetype from a Libra that you might know, because that's not to say that every Libra is only looking for a surface solution. And that's not to say that every Libra can't have depth to them like mm. as far as people that you know, but the archetype is exactly what you said. And I love that distinction. Mm. Yeah. I feel like that's why it's interesting the way the Zodiac is set up because someone who's born with a Libra sun will guaranteed have at least one Scorpio placement or like one Virgo placement, which will bring more depth to them. So it's hard to, um, like it, speaking of just the archetype is so different than looking at someone's chart in that way. Yeah. And like we said, air signs. So that, that surface level that you talked about versus the depth, we, you know, we'll get to that when we talk about elements, but that's another way that we can bring in that, you know, it's airy and yeah. that, that goes with the whole, with the scales, with that peacekeeper, with the social, with all the it people. It speaks to its adaptability. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Scorpio? Yeah. Yeah. Scorpy? <laughs> Martha's bringing back the nickname. Scorpius? <laughs> Every Scorpio is like, no, don't call me that. <laughs> Take me seriously. <laughs> uh, well, a little overview of Scorpio. It is the little logo is the scorpion, <laughs> which literally every time in nature, if I see a scorpion, 
I'm like, oh, it's a Scorpio. And then I'm like, wait, check yourself. <laughs> Not all Scorpions are born from October 20th. <laughs> but I'm just like, the animals named that, right? Anyways, um, this is a water sign. It is fixed. And the ruling planets are Pluto and Mars. So the archetype the first one is the detective Mm -hmm. yeah scorpio wants to get to the bottom of things which is why i think it's so beautiful how it tie how it goes from libra to scorpio libra like we said about being more surface level and then right into that scorpio where it's like but let's get all the way to the core it wants to get to the bottom of things it wants to know all the information it's master of the deep dive i also just love thinking about the scorpion as the you know, the symbol and the the logo. And you're right though, because in French, Scorpios are just called Scorpion. Like there's no distinction. There's between like Scorpio and Scorpion. Mm, yeah. And um and I really like the idea of, I mean, Scorpio, if we think about that as the Scorpion, okay. First time we see it, not everybody. There's some, there's some like bug and creepy crawly people out there. But <laughs> many of us are like, wah, you know, if we see a scorpion. And there Mm -hmm. is this kind of like (gasps) abrasive, like, do I have to be on the defense? And I think that that definitely shows up with when we're learning about Scorpio, because there is such a depth to them that they have to have, they have to be protective and they have to Mm. be like, don't fuck with me because I will sting you. And then, but it doesn't mean I'm gonna, but it means if you do, I could. There's this, Mm -hmm. you know, not every scorpion that you see is just gonna run up to you and sting you, but also they make it very clear. Here's my stinger. It's ready. Don't have to use it, but I certainly have the very quick ability to. And I think that that is something that when we get into the rest of the archetypes, when we think about Scorpio energy, they have that ability to sting ding and it is effective but it's not like they're going around like uh stinging everyone everywhere all the time Hmm. yeah and even just thinking that it's partly ruled by mars which we should clarify there are this is the first sign of the zodiac that's ruled by two planets so far that we've gotten to right yeah 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 so traditionally before the last three planets were discovered Scorpio was ruled by Mars. And then once Pluto was discovered, it was kind of assigned to Scorpio as well. Um, And both of which I can see very, I mean, I get, I relate to. Uh, And it's interesting that Scorpio is also ruled by Mars, where the other sign that Mars rules, Aries, we had also talked about that being defensive Mm -hmm. and having their armor part of their body. Yeah. Which is 100% apparent in the animal of or it's not an animal, the insect, whatever the mm-hmm. hell it is, of the scorpion. Mm-hmm. I yeah. wanted to say Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> because it literally has an echo- eco-skeleton, or well, mm. how do you say that? Exoskeleton. Exoskeleton. Yeah, and it has that, um, in, a, in a way, what we mentioned about cancer, another water sign has that protective shell because they do have that you know, soft and really deep and powerful and loving interior, but that, that external shell, that external skeleton is there and has to be really hard to protect everything that's going on. But unlike cancer- Are scorpions mushy on the inside? I mean, most creatures People are mushy on the inside, right? 
People eat them. They must have some sort of softness in them. Is this going to be the weirdest thing I Google this week? (laughs) (laughs) I guarantee you it's not, but I feel like it's not. I feel like it's just crunchy. Crunchy through and through. Shout out Scorpios. All right. I still stand with my statement of there being that, like you said, with the other um, sign that's ruled by Mars being Aries, having their almost like their weaponry ready. It's Mm. it's different than it is even with a crab, because a crab, yes, has those claws, but a scorpion has a stinger. You know, that is an actual like at the ready weapon. And I'm pretty sure they have like pinchers too on the front, like little claws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're very, very defensive as a creature, you know? Mm. And then as we like get farther into the, you know, um, like Martha, you mentioned the detective as the first archetype, but having to get to the bottom of something like detectives when they're getting into the deep shit, like this is not a, a fun light job this is i better protect myself because i'm getting into some deep and dark and possibly dangerous territory Hmm. yeah i like speaking to the detective and even our the other archetypes we have like the sorcerer the psychiatrist to really speak to the fact that loyalty and consistency that the Hmm. scorpio uh, archetype has i feel Hmm. like often that's over looked but to get to the bottom of something you need to be working consistently to understand it and to dissect Mm. it yeah and scorpio being a water sign they have a deep well of connection to their surroundings and like if you think of a detective that's a very intuitive job as well you're following your gut you're following your hunches uh and so that speaks to i mean none of these archetypes really speak to how emotionally involved scorpio is but being a water sign and being fixed it's very connected to whatever it is feeling so often scorpio can feel can absorb what's absorb their surroundings and absorb emotions and feelings and and energy i really i really like that like you know, almost overlookedness that you mentioned as far as it being a water sign. And we think of the other water signs being, you know, Cancer and Pisces. And maybe we see that watery energy more, but with the Scorpio, it has that. But just like with a detective, you might not think of a detective being super dedicated. You think of them as, oh, maybe they're sneaky and they're really quiet and they're really, you don't think about, wow, they are not giving up And they do have to follow their intuitive hunches because this Mm. is not the standard way of getting information. People go to a detective when they can't, they can't figure it out the the traditional way. You know, they go to a detective when they need someone to be their person to find. Yeah, lurk in the shadows. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then speaking on the other archetypes, we've got the sorcerer, transformer, alchemist, I think, I I love the term alchemist. Uh, I mean, obviously my business literally has the word alchemy in it uh, because it speaks to being able to change something from its its original state into something else. And that's why I think Scorpio is also seen as a healer because it is able to take whatever wound or pain and turn it into something more productive or, you know, if it, it 
then you get into like a Scorpio doing it for themselves. And because they're fixed, yeah. they hold on to it. Uh, but when they're doing it for somebody else, or when, you know, Scorpio is present in somebody's chart and really taking, you know, own or not ownership, but taking over, essentially, they're going to turn somebody else's wounds or somebody else's pains into a healing opportunity. Yeah transformation transformation that's that you know pluto coming into play there as well and the mm -hmm. transformer the alchemist is i am i am taking what used to be this and completely either destroying so that we can mm -hmm. build something fresh and new or completely transforming so that something even better can exist mm -hmm. i think it's really interesting because all of the archetype all the archetypes for Scorpio are very singular. And I think it's like the detective, the sorcerer. These are all things you're doing by yourself for mm -hmm. like, yes, for other people, but they're missions for self. And I think it's really interesting because I think so much of the Scorpio archetype uh, mission is to exactly what you said, Mimi, like self heal to learn the skills to then heal others, mm. which takes a lot of time in solitude. And I think that hardcover and that feeling of, oh, they're kind of scary. I don't want to be around them is mm. an opportunity for them to, to be in solitude and to learn about themselves and to learn the undertones of society so that they can help people around them. And that time alone is, is really important for Scorpio. That's exactly the right term as undertones because Scorpio is reading between the lines. If you think of like the detective, it's reading the subliminal messaging that maybe they're in, uh, interrogating someone, but he's, or they are reading what is not being said. They're reading subliminal. They're reading the undertones. Uh, I love the idea of that solitude and working like I'm doing this on my own so that I can help other people where you think about a detective, they're not <laughs> putting bright like billboards all over the place being like, if you need a detective, here I am. It's like a mm. past under the table. If you need someone, I got a guy. And it's like, you know, that you are being sought out and already there's somehow like a respect there. And even, you know, my, like you have to pay, this isn't just a police investigation. You've got to pay me for my services. And it's like this, this almost like <laughs> checkpoints of, okay, does this person get in? Okay, they found mm. me, they sought me out, even though I wasn't easy to find, and they are valuing what it is that I am, what it is that I do. And there's that, I feel like that really speaks to Scorpio energy too, where they will be loyal to the core, but not to just anybody, you know, it because mm. it is so dedicated. I think it's interesting talking about value with the Scorpio archetype because so much of what they value too is like the release of everything on this material plane mm -hmm. and being very, um, yeah, unattached to things, which mm -hmm. is, I think, important, especially as someone who's working as an investor, investigator or something. Yes, you need to be motivated, which I'll acquaint to Mars, but you can't be too attached unless you want to drown in it. And Scorpio is a water sign. So they're going to drown in things. So they need this mm -hmm. like detachment to some of the things they're doing, not in the way that Libra is detached for things where that Libra energy is detached. Like, okay, I'll see the bigger picture. Scorpio is detached. Like I 
can't drown in this. And I, I understand it, but I still see the undertones, but I'm not attached to the undertones of what's happening here. Mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. It makes me think of the morality of Scorpio, especially considering the two signs that it's sandwiched between like Libra is very clear, right or wrong. Sagittarius is all about its morals, whereas a detective is not a policeman because it gets its answers through less than moral means in some cases. Yes. And so Scorpio ruling intensity, ruling uh, an interest in more dark uh, areas of life. And, you know, I mean, it's known as like the occultist, uh, the the witch, the alchemist. So sometimes their moral beam is not as black and white as both Libra and Sagittarius's. Yeah. And like the scorpion itself isn't hanging out in the sunshine all day long, you know, like they are mm-hmm. going in the, the deep crevices that other things and you know don't don't want to be in because that's what's necessary. I love that. I love that idea mm-hmm. of the morality and and we're going to do this a little bit by like whatever the necessary means are, which mm. that then, you know, the person itself and the other signs at play come into play there. But as far as this archetype itself, I love that. I love that perspective. I feel like there's so much to talk about with Scorpio that we can't just necessarily I put know. into all these yeah. archetypes. I'm like, I want to speak to the, like the sexuality side. I want to speak to all mm-hmm. of these other things, but that's the beauty of Scorpio. You can never get to the bottom of it. No. Yeah. Scorpio craves intensity. And if it doesn't crave it, it is intensity Oof. and intimacy. Yeah. Are you calling out? Oh, you just oh, called out so many Scorpio energy. All righty, moving on, shall we, to Sagittarius, the ninth sign of the Zodiac. Uh, the logo slash symbol is the archer. It is a fire sign and it is a mutable sign and it's ruled by Jupiter. So, uh, Sierra, why don't you tell us what your... Uh, what you enjoy doing you the Sagittarius <laughs> I'm, I'm a freaking archer guys I'm literally <laughs> an archer I'm like <laughs> I'm like a ranked archer in the world and of course mm-hmm. I'm a freaking Sagittarius stellium but that is not to say there are not more parts of me and you can just say oh Sierra's a Sagittarius archer done but man do I personally love that the Sagittarius is the archer and I literally have my bow sitting next to me in this room but um <laughs> I love the idea of thinking of Sagittarius as the archer because then, and you know, the actual image of Sagittarius, while it is the archer, it's also the centaur that is the archer. Mm. And that's something that I think is really important to keep in mind there too, because it's not like, it's not a human running along with a bow. It's like a freaking human horse running along. And there's that when we get to, you know, elements of Sagittarius that include freedom, I think that that's something that really speaks to the horse energy or like that centaur energy. And also centaurs are, um, are seen as being very wise creatures in mythology. You know, we've got Chiron, who's a centaur. And um, just thinking of, you know, if we think in the Harry Potter world, there's like the centaurs that are like, you know, teaching the astrology lessons and all those things. So I feel like the archer part of it, though, is shooting at something in the distance and seeing where we land, but also having some sort of it's it's a weird combination of I have a goal in mind and I'm gonna shoot at that spot but sometimes it's like let's just shoot and see where it lands there's both sides of archer that you can that you can see there Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. (laughs) shoot for the stars is like 
the number one thing for Sagittarius and Jupiter energy. Like that quote should just be like tattooed on every Sagittarius. (laughs) All right. Noted. Noted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Sagittarius ruled by Jupiter. The archetypes are the philosopher, teacher, and student, the optimist, the free spirit, and the explorer. So very much about a larger perspective and a higher a higher knowing. So it rules like higher education, but ultimately it's a higher knowing. Um, it also is like the ruler of a lot of religious beliefs or spiritual connection, things like that. Mm. I like that pulling that into the shoot for the stars, what Martha just said too, because there is this, um, we can't quite know, but we're certainly seeking. Mm. Yeah. The I- seeker. Yeah. I really like that it's like the free spiriter spirit and the traveler, but also speaks to religion because once upon a time, the global map was divided fully by religious status. So by traveling, you're automatically learning about different religions than your own. Mm. Yeah. Religions and cultures. And that's really what Sagittarius is about is finding the other perspective, the other, the idea of the other is so important to Sagittarius and being able to know, well, this is how I've grown up. So what is, um, what is another way of living that I have no experience in? And they want to just experience and philosophize how, how these two upbringings or how these multiple upbringings can affect uh, like the nature of that living person. Yeah. And if I know everything about everyone, then I can maybe find the truth, Mm -hmm. which is very important to Sagittarius. I love that. If I know everything about everyone, then maybe I can find the truth. There is that truth seeking. And that, that speaks to both the teacher and the student, because there is that very um, search for the truth, search for knowledge in and seeking the truth. And I am a forever student because I want to find all of the answers possible. I want to get all the information possible, but I am a teacher because I also believe in sharing that knowledge so that I'm not the only one who knows it. I want to spread that truth. And I'm not going to just keep it to myself. Yeah. I also really love the like the traveler archetype or this free spirit archetype as the teacher, because before social media, the only way to share knowledge was by someone being a free spirit and sharing that story with someone from the next uh, country over or next space of land. That is how Mm -hmm. people learned anything before. But when we were so separated. We didn't know anything about anyone. So it was the free spirits that taught everyone about it. That is such a great, such a great way of seeing things because yeah, we take for granted the easy access to information. And this is like the, the Sagittarius archetype being that seeker of the information in order to then share the information completely uh, like combines that teacher student and free spirit explorer. And there is the, the other archetype that we have in there is the optimist. It's, it's, it's with the hope of bettering something. I feel like Sagittarius it's, you know, it's not just, um, it's not information just to a part of it is information to have information, but it is with this optimistic, uh, vision that if we do know everything, then we can do better with all of this knowledge. There's, there's like that element there that really speaks to make an informed decision. 
And yeah. when I was speaking about the judge and during like the Libra thing, I was, I had Sagittarius in mind because Sagittarius is also known as the judge, the one that makes an informed decision. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a difference between that, like that uh, being fair and, and being uh, just in a way, or maybe that's not the right word, but of there being judgment, mm-hmm. there being something where, you know, we have this like balance for Libra as an inanimate object, let's say, you know, where it's like, this is just, I am the scales and there's no opinions here because I am just mm-hmm. the scales. But Sagittarius is very much an animated, like we're like a, there is, it's fire. There's action there, yeah. you know? Yeah. And both Libra and Sagittarius have that in common where they have a separation from what they're judging because they kind of put themselves on a higher ground. Mm. which can speak to sometimes with like when we talked about morality sometimes being on a high horse which is really funny that it's also a centaur half human half horse which i love that sagittarius gives a uh, horse girl energy if anyone is a huge jenna marvel fan like me anyway uh like being on a more moral high ground and believing that you have the solution for everything they have yeah. that like libra sagittarius blend See, this is an interesting thought for me as well in the sense that I don't think uh, Sagittarius necessarily has the intention to be the teacher or to be the preacher. Mm. But I think Mm. when you're collecting so much information and you're traveling and you're seeing things and you believe so much is true and so exciting and you have that energy, it's inevitable. Inevitable. My words are just inevitable awful today glitch um but you guys know what i mean that people are going to be attracted to that information and they're so excited and so optimistic and so in belief that what they know will make things better that they become the preacher they become the teacher mm-hmm. but Naturally, not yeah. necessarily because they plan to be that it's because yeah. they're mutable and they reflect what people want them to be yeah. And people have an interest in what they're saying because it's different and it's exciting. So yeah. they're put on that podium to teach. Yes. Like, so mm-hmm. if you're a Sagittarius out there and you're like, oh, I don't want to teach or I don't feel that people feel that from you, whether you want to be that or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting to look at, you know, now that we're getting into the second half to, you know, we can get in this another time, another episode, but thinking about that opposite, you know, being opposite of Gemini and another like information collector, but that's, this is an information collecting with the explorer free spirit element there, where the reason why I've collected this information is through experience more than anything. It's not that I necessarily, you know, it's sparked by exploration. That's the the difference Mm -hmm. that I find to be uh, between that Sagittarius and Gemini energy is through my exploration and a new concept, a new idea was exciting, was something like to bring in that optimistic. That's something that, oh, what a cool concept. Like, let's, let's learn more about that. And then I've learned more. And so when I'm talking about it, it's not talking about it in a, um, you know, in a textbook way as more that of a storybook way. This is the story of the travel. This is, mm-hmm. you know, that um, yeah, storytelling, yeah, that adventure that I was on. And this is the knowledge that I learned through my adventure, which I think, you know, that's again, what you said about like the moral part of it is um, what is the truth versus what is 
my truth. And that's where the, you know, the other placements when we get people in there. And, and that's why, again, this is great to remove that from the people because the Sagittarius archer centaur energy in general is that exploration, finding that knowledge, learning it and teaching it. And I love what you said, Martha, not necessarily seeking out being a teacher or a Mm. preacher. It's just through this, through me talking about it, because it's a lived experience, there's an animation that then Mm -hmm. conveys the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And it being mutable, that automatically shows like, it's not trying to be a leader, but wherever it goes, it's seen and it's heard, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's constant exploration. Mm. I love that. Mm. Shall we move on to Capricorn? Let's do it. All right, Capricorn, we have the logo is the sea goat. And also we've seen it as the mountain goat, but the image of it is the uh, top part of a goat with the horns and everything. And then the bottom part as a tail and a fish. And then it is a earth sign and a cardinal sign ruled by Saturn. So Hmm. thinking about that goat energy, (laughs) I love, I love the Capricorn images that you'll see of of just a goat on the side of a mountain where it looks like an absolute impossibility to climb up that mountain. And that goat's just goating along up the mountain Mm -hmm. because it's a goat. And so I feel like there is (laughs) that, you know, that just speaks really well to Capricorn in my opinion. I'm curious how you guys connect to it being the sea goat, like having more of a watery element to Capricorn. I'm sitting with that. I I'm curious about it as well. Cause I feel like it, it, it's a goat, but then it's also like there, there's something that they have an adaptability. They have an emotional aspect. They're opposite of cancer. You know, they understand that, but at the same time, they're not fully a goat. So I don't know. I'm trying not to do the opposition to cancer with my thought process with this. I'm trying to make it its own thing. And the, the idea in my head that's coming up is like, okay, the goat really sticks to all of the standard archetypes for it. But the sea goat, I feel like connects it to the lineage that it is in the sense that I feel like that water energy flows throughout generations, like sharing stories and sharing traditions and sharing history. That's the stretch that it's, that's how it's making sense in my mind. I feel like that speaks mm-hmm. to evolution. What you said about lineage, there's the evolution there of something land or sea to land. And the story isn't just, um, you know, isn't just above the ground. Like there is that we'll get into it, but there's so much structure that comes with Capricorn that this is a different types of structure all in one, you know, kind of creature put together. And we see that too, where we just went from Sagittarius, a centaur, half horse, half person into this half fish, half goat. I think I need to educate myself more on it because I'm not connecting to sea goat at all. I really do connect to mountain goat for Capricorn because a mountain goat understands the structure of the mountain. And while it looks really odd to us, they understand exactly where their next step should be. And Capricorn being that very earth sign, being very cardinal, it knows how to move up the mountain in a slow and steady 
rate, but also in a very practical and productive way. Mm. I really, uh, really like that. Maybe that disability that the goat has with crawling up the mountain really speaks to that Saturn energy of like, okay, I, I might have a setback. So let's figure out how I can get through it in a correct way yeah, or in yeah. a way that yeah. functions for me. Yeah. And after having put in all of that hard work, the, the amazing view that you get from being at the top of the mountain, right? That Saturn abundance that rains down on you after having put in all of that work and having, you know, gone through the test of Saturn. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious of how this, the artwork, I'm saying artwork, logo, whatever has, has graduated through history because some art that I see for the Capricorn almost looks like half dragon to me, which is not a water creature. So Mm. I'm just curious how accurate it is in 2023. If that makes Mm. sense. I love the idea of looking more into that and having some like, yeah, like Mimi, like you said, educating ourselves on the, the sea mythology of of a sea goat. Exactly. So follow us on Instagram to find out what the heck we learn about it. Yeah. yeah because exactly. we could have prepared ourselves more, but <laughs> you're getting genuine astrologer yes. conversation right now. But uh, to, go, to go into the archetypes of Capricorn, we have it as the ruler, boss, father, prime minister, disciplinarian, the elder, the wise one, the hermit. And so that a lot of that speaks to what you were saying, Mimi, about, okay, I'm making a plan and I am going to, if there's a setback, I'm going to come up with this energy. It just seems like a boss never in a boss in any situation is like, all right, made one plan. Everybody followed the plan and we executed the plan flawlessly. That's never a situation because being a boss means that there's other people that you are a boss of and everybody has their own individual parts that come together and you can't, or what you can calculate for is that you can't know everything. There's going to be things that need to be readjusted. And I think that that's, you know, and it is a slow process. If we think of that mountain goat energy, okay, I, this is a a pretty impossible task. I'm going up this way and wait, I literally have reached a dead end. So I have to, the only other option to get to the top is to take a little bit of a back step and find another solution. And that also has such wisdom that comes along with it. It's not the, it's not the young mountain goat leading everybody up the mountain. It is the wise one that has done this before and knows, you know, mm. what it looks like. Yeah. And when you think of a boss, like if you think in a more modern, like job environment, say you're a boss of a a marketing team, you're not a marketer. Your job is to be the leader. Your job is to delegate and to discipline and to create a system. And so Capricorn can often hold the weight of responsibility because whatever its uh, mentees are doing are going to reflect on how well of a job that that Capricorn is doing. Yeah. I, I feel like all of the archetypes kind of bleed together because to be the boss, you kind of have to be the elder and to be an, like when you're the boss, you have to delegate, which involves teaching. So all of Mm. these things, all of the archetypes all bleed together in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And, and thinking of that disciplinarian and Saturn, you know, it will, we got into it, but if you know about Saturn, it is that hard work for the reward disciplinarian there's no time 
for, and again, this is, I think why Capricorn gets uh, a really kind of can get a cold uh, reputation. And this is, and that that's not fair to people who are Capricorn because you have more going on in your chart than just Capricorn, but the disciplinarian, it makes so much sense. If we think about this, you know, mountain climbing, uh, analogy we're going with, there's no room to mess up. We're not, we can't be silly. We cannot be silly when we're climbing a mountain. If someone's silly, somebody is, somebody's going to fall and reach their doom. You have to, we have to have the structure in place. We have to have the rules in place. You have to listen to me because I've done this before. I have the information and I am like Martha said, like sharing it with you. I'm teaching it to you. And if we follow these steps, then we can reach success. And when we reach the top, then you can enjoy that view. But there's a lot of serious things that go into it in order for us to succeed. Yeah. They take things very seriously. Yeah. And we kind of mm-hmm. see why, when we look at the archetype here, we understand a little bit more why they take things seriously because in a way they have to. And like you said about that responsibility there, there isn't as much room left for uh light energy when mm-hmm. we think of that elder wise one boss disciplinarian. Yeah. Yeah. Capricorn being earth, it, it needs to see tangible results in order to validate that its work has been worth it. Mm. Oof. But going back to the elder and the wise one, I think that's really interesting because Capricorn does rule, uh, like you guys had mentioned, talking about seagoat, like lineage and tradition and history. And so by taking on all of that history, by understanding all of their lineage or the traditions behind uh, you know, what they what they do, what they take on, they become very wise in that understanding and and they do become a teacher in a way because they believe that that tradition needs to continue to pass down. Yeah. Yeah. In the knowledge that has been passed, like there is that combination of, yeah, like you said, the knowledge that has been passed down tradition in within the tradition, within the lineage, we're not just telling the story so that the story is told us we're telling it so that we can keep these lessons, keep this knowledge, pass it down and be better and more wise, a better boss, a better ruler, you know, if this is something that is built into that structure, into the system, because we've learned it from the past. Hmm. I'm curious about the archetype, like the hermit, Mm -hmm. because I feel like there's a lot of communication that has to happen with other people to be the boss to be the storyteller in the sense of like passing on lineage and things I feel like there needs to be so much connection I think Capricorn is a believer that you are the sole one responsible for yourself and your actions and Mm. that can be not lonely in a negative sense but singular like you had mentioned earlier that it's always up to them to do what they have been given like what their role has been or how what role they have been given sorry my words are not working and I also think that it can be quite isolating when you are the leader of a group you are the one at the top you are still the one holding all of that weight or all that Mm -hmm. responsibility and whatever I mean, I always just go back to like the CEO, it's lonely at the top, yeah. like everything that you do to climb up that ladder. Once mm-hmm. you get to the top, you're not with anybody because there's a desire to be leader of all like a dictator. 
it seems like quite the trend with a lot of the um with a lot of the, the archetypes like a lot of people have a lonely journey so shout out if you're feeling lonely you're not the only one <laughs> I, I really like that, you know, the CEO energy like analogy there with just thinking about that boss who, you know, okay, I delegated this. I educated someone in this way. I took on this responsibility. I'm doing all these things. I'm not going to be the one who's going to happy hour now. Like I've got shit to do, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I see them as, okay, in my office, closing the door type of hermit where now I've got to do all of the things that that boss energy must do because of all the responsibilities there. And I I like the comment about, you know, so much of that involving connection, but that is also a little bit maybe why that hermit um, archetype makes sense because there is so much need to, okay, do this. And I'm with this person and I'm helping this, da, 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 just like a quieting of now it's up to me. And I need to remove myself because I also think that that's that, you know, boss energy of nobody can do it as good as I can do it. So now it's my time to do it and make sure it gets done. Mm. Yeah. And cancer being Capricorn's opposing energy where cancer is all about unconditional love and divine nurture. It's also mother. Capricorn is a believer in conditional love that you have to do something in order to deserve that loving energy. And if we go back to like archaic gender norms, the father is the one that supports the family, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and having to be that pillar of support or everything resting on them to survive and yeah. not being able to just survive off of unconditional love. Yeah. Mm. It's that tangible, like you said, needing the tangible Earth, results. Yeah which is hitting all of us Capricorn placements over here real hard with your truth, because I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that's so true in that, you know, in that way of looking at what are our basic needs, our basic needs. I could just see like, you know, that, that Capricorn energy, our basic needs do not include love. Our basic needs Mm. include food, shelter, water, all of these things in which we must, you know, we have these rules. We have this, this is how our ancestors got these things. We're going to make sure that we get clean water. We're going to make sure that we make a sturdy home. We're going to make sure that we get food that is nutritious. You know, like there's, there's so much of that tangible, uh, practical, there's such a practical nature in all of these Mm. archetypes. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we move on to Aquarius? Yeah. Let's do it. So the Aquarius is the water bearer. So it's like the guy kneeling down, pouring the water in the river. It's an air sign. It's fixed. And it's ruled by two planets, again, Uranus and Saturn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Saturn is the traditional ruler. And then once Uranus was discovered, it was assigned to Aquarius. Mm -hmm. Man, the water bearer just like love all the contradiction that Aquarius brings. It just speaks so much to Aquarius that they are the water bearer and they are not a water sign. They are an air sign. And that's just all you need to know. No, that's not all you need to know, but that's really, it makes makes so much sense. So I just love that, that kind of contradiction there where they're the water bearer. They are not the water. They are the one who is holding the water in a container separate from it, pouring it out for others, having a view of the water, seeing where it's going, seeing what it's doing and not being of it. And that is just a huge perspective that Aquarius brings. If we think of just that image of the water bearer. 
yeah, they have a really logical sight or removed view of that water, of the emotion. Exactly. So one of their, the first, well, I'll just name all of the archetypes. So the revolutionary, rebel, individualist, unconventional, hero, truthsayer, the eccentric, the genius, scientist, the exile. So -hmm. many words, so many key words for Aquarius. Yeah. And so many of them just come back to the revolutionary, like just the one that is trying to change things for the better and having that like greater good in mind. Yeah. Which is why I love the symbol for it. The water bearer, like pouring the water out because they can take the ego out of the situation in the sense that they're like, okay, we don't need to be feeling all those things. There's a bigger picture to it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's so funny you say that because I actually think of Aquarius as quite egotistical in nature because it, un- it, because it has all, has that separated view of the situation. I think of Aquarius as having more of the God complex of, I can manipulate the situation to be what I want it to be. And that's not in a negative way because Aquarius having that, that rebel sense or the idealist almost, it wants things to be better for all of humanity. So I don't think that it's like manipulating in a very negative or mean way. It's just manipulating the situation to get what they want because they believe that their vision of the future is the right one. Mm. Which I think having, being able to manipulate people, you definitely have to be unattached from their emotions Mm. because if you're attached and you're feeling what they're feeling, uh, kind of makes it hard to yeah. play the chess game and Very the true. the rebel the revolutionary unconventional i feel like unconventionalist that just speaks so much to it speaks so much going back to the water bearer of where where the air sign pouring water and that you know there is a and again with the exile then what do you mean like this you're not a water sign. So why are you here being surrounded by water? What? And there's, there's this, you know, it just makes sense of the water of this Aquarius energy, never really fitting in that we say Mm -hmm. often, you know, with that, uh, unconventional with the eccentric, the genius too. If we think about genius in general, so often, Everybody thinks the genius is crazy until you realize they were right. You know, there's so often until the new iPhone comes out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There's so often that genius energy that is seen as crazy and eccentric, often Mm -hmm. in a scientific world, too, you know, where it's breaking barriers. And I also see Aquarius as the trendsetter because they are the marching to the beat of their own drum and they aren't Mm -hmm. following the conventional rules. And so when and that goes into the scientist, you know, that goes into that genius when you're not following the conventional rules new things can come from that. And mm-hmm. that's something that why we have that transcending energy too with Aquarius and why that water bearer who can see the emotion, but be removed and have this higher spec, higher perspective and an interesting perspective of the emotion is just all wrapped up into this very quirky energy that doesn't have a place that fits in with the conventional. Mm. Yeah, it's so funny because, yeah, nothing new comes from doing things the way they've always been done. Mm. But Aquarius is a fixed sign, too. And fixed signs like 
following rules and following conventions. So they're really this like confusing ball, this duality of like, okay, I like following rules and I like doing things uh, the way they told me to do it. But at the same time, I'm going to maybe scribble out of the line sometimes because like I'm trying to, I'm trying to do some things different and make something new. Yeah. It being fixed and air, I almost feel like it's, it's not even loyal to the rules that have been set before it, but it's more loyal to the ideas that come through and it's, it gets a sudden idea and it goes, yep, I'm fixed on that. And I'm going to move forward with that. And I think it's so interesting that, you know, Aquarius being originally or traditionally ruled by Saturn, which is a very conventional, very rule, very tradition uh, based, it honors and it respects what has happened in the past and not respects in a way that it thinks it was right, but just respects that it is the past truth. But then when Uranus was discovered, it took on like this whole new form of future, of um, yeah, future looking and I always think of Aquarius as the time traveler and going back to what you said here about it being the trendsetter, it sets the trends because it can see the future of what things are going to be and what is going to be popular. Yes. Mm. I love that. And I love talking about the rulers of both Uranus and Saturn and talking about Mm. the, the fixed energy and that rule kind of following energy. Uranus has the divine insight or just sudden, sudden bursts Mm -hmm. of genius. And Saturn is this rule following. And I feel like with that combination with the Aquarius energy, it's, I am following the rules, but they are my rules that I am following. And so they're very fixed in staying true to who they are and how they see things. And those Mm. rules might not be the traditional rules because we have that extra genius energy at play, eccentric energy at play. And scientists experiment there's and they follow the rules a scientist knows the rules of you know of doing the experiment they know how things must be done but they are experimenting nonetheless mhm yeah i i really like talking about a scientist in this sense because you can only mix certain chemicals and things yeah. like that together or you're going to have a fire so it's like okay i need to know a certain amount of the rules but we can still mm-hmm double dabble with the other stuff they're allowed to mix together. And like, Mm. if scientists, if we never had the scientist Aquarius energy, we'd get to the point of discovering that there are, there's an atom, but then to figure out that you can split it, you know, that's the whole thing where it's like, okay, I know the rules. I follow the rules, but I also kind of want to go in this direction because I'm pouring the water. I'm not in the water and let's Mm -hmm. see what would happen if, And there is an experimental energy with Aquarius there. And that speaks to its separation from human emotion. And like experimentation isn't always the most like human moral thing to do. But if at the end of the day, it creates this cure for something that's actually hurting a huge group of people, then it's worth it in the end for one to suffer so that many can survive. Yeah. And with that exactly removing of human emotion there. All right. So Martha had to dip because we have lives outside of the podcast, but we're still here and we're going to (laughs) finish up the Pisces archetype without her. All right. Let's move into Pisces. All right. Sweet. So Pisces, uh, the logo, the glyph, the symbol is the fish or 
multiple fish. They're two fishes, uh, which any grammar lovers are going to hate that I just said that. Um, but Pisces is water and it is mutable. And it is also ruled by two planets, uh, traditionally ruled by Jupiter and then more modern day ruled by Neptune. I really like the fishes because yeah. also I just think it's hilarious just putting in my little French knowledge that literally in French, if you say like, what's your Zodiac sign and you're a Pisces, you literally just say, I'm a fish. And I think that's hysterical, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think like the reason why the fishes and like talking about, like, we just, let's just not talk about fishes in general. If we're looking at the image of Pisces, we've got one fish swimming one way and we've got another fish swimming another way. And I think that mm-hmm. that I always really relate to when I'm thinking of Pisces energy, because there is that mutability water, obviously fish, we got it. But then we yeah. have one fish going this way, one fish going this way. And I think that there is so much about Pisces energy that wants one thing, wants the other thing, can see this thing, can see the other thing, can feel this thing, can feel the other thing because they are the last sign. They have this mutable, they have this water. There's so much that they encompass. They're not just a singular direction sign. Mm. Yeah. And the way that the fish are out or laid out as well is similar to the yin and yang, like finding yes. balance in the entire energy of the universe um and i love that it's two fish because that shows just how much pisces craves connection and that pisces is never alone because pisces is always carrying um energy from something else i love that craving connection that makes so much with that fish like thinking of a school of fish you know fish are Mm -hmm. rarely chilling by themselves traditionally you know like they are in large groups and and they really also in a way can get lost in that large group yeah and pisces really just wants a partner to share the experience with them especially the emotional or soulful uh, experience that they're having yeah yeah so the archetypes for Pisces are the martyr, uh, really a weird thing that's here found the face dancer, also known as shapeshifter, uh, the intuitive, mystic, the artist, which also encompasses dreamer, poet, and the connector. Yeah. And I think that uh, since we also mentioned artist for Libra, I think that mm-hmm. this is more the artist energy that we think of. Typically, we think of that creation as far as artwork, like we said, dreamer, poet. And I, I, every, you know, the Pisces energy has this need of it's, it's water, it's emotion, but it's also finding a connection within the emotion. And sometimes the best way to find a connection within the emotion is putting it in paint, is putting it in creation, is putting it in, you know, getting something that evokes an emotion from it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that artistry comes from. I also think that the artist like the artistic style of Pisces is not always going to be a very traditional one. Like it's going to, they're going to find art in anything that they do similar to Leo that however they express their soul, however they can show their soul instead of having a, a physical perception of their body, they want to just have a physical perception of their soul out there. And so that mm-hmm. can be shown as very modern or contemporary art or uh, interpretive art. Yeah. And then like, relating that to that shapeshifter and that intuitive because they are this 
water element. They do have that intuitiveness, intuitive ability that animals do have with the fishes, you know, and mm -hmm. the shapeshifter, they have an ability to, they understand emotion. And so they can shift and they can, they're very, very adaptable in that way where they can mirror or shift to the, whatever that other person is feeling. Mm -hmm. And almost, I think of them as an emotional mirror. Pisces mm -hmm. energy is an emotional mirror, which then can cause this martyr energy, like you mentioned, because they're, well, I know that I can make them feel better. And so then it's like, well, then, but, but then I'm not included in that part of the equation. So having this yeah. ability to shift to the situation, but then almost being lost in the, the service that that shifting has caused. It's so funny how many connections I'm making Pisces to Libra because they're in aversion to each other and they don't have anything in common, but Pisces will remove itself from the situation and in order to to show somebody that their feelings are valid and can be expressed in another human because Pisces can feel quite alone. It rules isolation and it rules separation, even though it also rules deep connection to everything that is, but they want, or Pisces wants to show somebody that their emotions are natural, that what they're feeling is a natural uh, response to what is happening to them. And so, yeah, they do become the martyr because they separate. It's almost like a Pisces can really fall into a trope of codependency because yeah. it just wants to mirror somebody and also just really wants to connect to somebody in whatever way they can, even if it means separating their unique expression of self from themselves. Yeah. And, and in that ability to connect so well as where we find that intuitive and mystic archetype as mm -hmm. well, because this intuitive nature connecting to something beyond just the physical world, you know, and that's where we get that mystic archetype from, because that's not something we've removed ourselves from the, the scientist here. This is not something mm -hmm. that we can experiment and prove in any way. This is the intuitive and feeling. We can't measure feelings. And so mm -hmm. because Pisces is so connected to everything, they have that mystical, intuitive nature to them. And yeah, they're dreamy. Yeah, the dreamy. And it makes me think also when you're dreaming so much often means you're sleeping. And so there's like that, you know, that kind of removed energy. Like you said, I can't be dreaming all the time. I need to dream because I am the dreamer. But in that way, I can't, I can't be awake and present on this physical plane if I am to be who I am, which is the dreamer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that also plays into their more idealistic nature and how that feeds from Aquarius into Pisces, where Aquarius has the vision for the future and it separates itself from the human emotion. Pisces is the human emotion. Yes. Pisces also, it's similar to the world card in tarot, where it is a compilation of all of the earlier zodiac signs because it is the end it is the end of the zodiac it is the um what am i trying to say the culmination of all of these energies because it's a connection to every facet of the universe and it can connect to every every emotion under the sun yeah yeah and that's a reminder you know what we said at the beginning that everybody has every sign in your chart and mm -hmm. so there everybody has that ability 
but then it's where does it come to play? Does it is it extra focused by certain planets or not? But that energy no. exists. This Pisces energy, this archetypical, you know, Pisces energy that we're talking about exists in everybody. And that's why we need to kind of decide, okay, where this is the energy. Where does it play out? How does it play out? Why does it play out? Like if you are at the beginning of a spiritual journey, look at where Pisces is in your chart, because often that's where you can kind of tap into the universe. Oh, which is so accurate for, for you with your third house Pisces. Love that. Yeah, yeah, what a great, what a great point. But yeah, Pisces bringing Wait, it all together. We, we're not, we cannot blow over this face dancer, Sierra. Please tell us about face dancing. Oh my gosh. Okay, I found it in one of my resources. <laughs> the yeah. face dancer. Um, I was like, is this sexual? Um, but I, <laughs> I looked it up, and it just meant exactly that shapeshifter because they have. Mm. I don't know where it came from. This is research that I actively chose not to do. But I, like, <laughs> I was like, like, I don't think I want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know more about this term. Um, but yeah, a shapeshifter in the way face dancer, a shapeshifter. It's kind of like the idea of I can make my face do whatever it is you need it to do. You know, oh, I yeah, that goes right back to the mirroring exactly like the codependent. Yeah, exactly. So while that is a very odd term, <laughs> if we remove the very strangeness, I do think it fits perfectly with the Pisces, you know, archetype and it goes along with the rest of them because they can become that. I feel like it could be a synonym of a mirror because I can make mm. my face be what you need to see. And sometimes that's not necessarily a reflection, but it's something you didn't know you needed to see because Pisces does have that energy of, oh my gosh, wow, I actually really needed to look at that deeper emotion. And now I can see it because I'm looking in this mirror, but it's really this Pisces energy reflecting what it is we needed to see because there's such a deep and just true connect, uh, understanding of emotion. Yeah. It's interesting too that Pisces shares the ruler of Jupiter with Sagittarius because Sagittarius goes into the world and explores so many things in order to understand how the world works, whereas Pisces needs to separate itself into a more spiritual state or into a retreat because Pisces rules isolation. It it rules separation. And it goes the exact opposite way of of Sagittarius where it separates itself from the worldly experiences. What a cool... um... But how how cool that we can see how Jupiter comes into play in both of those situations where Sagittarius exploring the world, the cultures, the people, the knowledge, the stories, and then Pisces exploring the like unconscious, you know, Mm -hmm. and there is this, there's expansive Jupiter energy there, but you're so right in a removed from the world way, whereas Sagittarius is very much of the world. Yeah. So Pisces are a little spiritualist. I've loved going over these archetypes. I know, me too. This has been really, really refreshing. Yeah, it's been refreshing. It's been super insightful. And, you know, this is however many episodes into an astrology podcast, however many classes and and research the three of us have done separately and together. And there's Mm. still so many new insightful things that we can get from really looking at the basics of what each sign is when it comes to their archetype. Yeah. yeah. And it's so helpful too to like just listen to information about these signs that you have in your chart and recognize certain facets of 
of the signs and how they resonate with you and how some of them don't, because maybe you don't relate to the martyr side of Pisces, but you actually really relate to the artist side of Pisces. And I think that's where you get like the skeptics of astrology being like, well, I don't relate relate to this in the sign at all. There's so many different expressions of each Zodiac sign and so many different expressions of each planet and house. Right. So it's about discovering how you naturally and instinctively connect to the placements in your natal chart. And if you've listened to, you know, part one and part two of this, and like, I think we're all very, you know, it's normal to be like, I'm going to listen to the one that has my sign in it, but like definitely (laughs) listen to all of them because just now the way that you said, starting your spiritual journey, look at Pisces in your chart and knowing that for me personally, I don't have any planets in Pisces in my chart. So, you know, previous Sierra would have been like, I don't have Pisces in my chart wrong. I do have Pisces in my chart and it's in my third house of communities and communication. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started a community based in all the mystical things, that's when my spiritual journey really started. That was just such a key, you know, light bulb moment that I had in this episode. And so go look at where, whatever it is that you heard from all these archetypes, from all these signs that you want to explore that part of you more Go look at where it is in your chart. Get your chart read and and tell the astrologer that you're getting your chart read by that you want to dive into that part of it. You know, there's so much more that we can dive into our chart, even if you don't have a planet Mm -hmm. in that sign. And that's why this is so cool to look at the archetypes of it, because you see, oh, I relate to that. I relate to that. Oh, I relate to that. But like, how, why, where is it showing up? Exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. And I'm excited for the rest of our back to basics because we're getting, stay tuned. We're getting like the grammar of astrology and I hate grammar of language, but I'm excited for the grammar (laughs) of astrology. (laughs) It's nice. It feels like a structured set of rules that you can always come back to, right? Like your flashcards of, I always know that Aquarius is the eccentric. I can always come back to that. Yes. Oh, love it. Well, Mimi, why did we go over the archetypes? of astrology today because the stars made us do it. (laughs) 